Hey guys, before we get today's episode started, I just wanted to let you know that I just started doing a live podcast over on the Recovery Revolution Facebook page. It's Monday night starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. Hope to see you there. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. The road of recovery was a never-ending battle, to be honest with you. If you've ever been around somebody that struggles with an eating disorder, it's a very mentally exhausting thing. And to this day, I still struggle with aspects of it. And this was 2015, so this was about six years ago. My guest today is named Sierra Carter. She is the host of the Run, Thrive, Survive podcast, and she is also a coach that focuses on emotional, mental, and physical balance. Welcome to the show, Sierra. Hey guys, I'm Sierra and I I do a multitude of things honestly, but I am a podcaster and a personal trainer that focuses on untangling the behavior and the psychology behind health and fitness. So, we're not we're not doing a lot of meal plans and workout plans anymore. It's literally behind creating habits and rituals to help yourself, to help your mental health, to help your emotional health and to help your physical health. And a lot of this came from me suffering or going through my own issues and problems and working through them through fitness. Um, when I was diagnosed with a very severe eating disorder and ended up in the hospital with multiple doctors telling me you should be dead, but you're not, you're here. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm here. And I get a second chance at 17 years old. I got to figure my way out. Wow, that is incredible. And welcome to the show, Sierra. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I'd love to just kind of rewind and go back to where you were talking about being in the hospital at 17 and kind of uh, kind of get into that story a little bit before we before we move to the to the current time. Yeah, so uh, what happened? Long story short, uh, I was suffering from a, um, anorexia, which is an eating disorder. It's a very common eating disorder, and it wasn't how most people think you suffer, and that's kind of why it was not caught almost at all until I was in the hospital, until someone was like, oh, yeah, this is a problem. It's caused by this. Why has nobody caught this? Um, I was anorexic in the way where you would see me eat. I wouldn't turn away food. Well, a little bit, but I was still eating a lot of food, just not, not the right foods, but I was exercising like a mad person where it was that binging kind of disorder in my mind where I would eat and I would punish myself for eating and I'd have to go run it off. I'd have to go work it off. I'd have to be active somehow. So I was expending way more calories than I was intaking. And on top of that, I was only eating yogurt. I was only drinking milk and I was only having like maybe a few handfuls of trail mix here, here and there. And if anybody knows anything about nutrition, I'm missing a lot of food groups. I'm also missing a lot of nutrients, a lot of vitamins, a lot of everything. And the big thing that I was missing that calcium in the yogurt and the milk was depleting was my iron. And if 
people are familiar with hemoglobin levels, this might shock a lot of people. I've actually had people jump back when they're familiar with them. I was supposed to be around the level of 12 hemoglobin. I was at 2.9. So when I landed myself in the hospital, I was barely walking. I couldn't stand. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could barely breathe on my own. I pretty much was suffocating myself. Wow. So is that, was that what the turning point was for you when you ended up in the hospital or did you continue down this road with the anorexia and the over-exercising? So the turning point was definitely when I landed myself in the hospital. The only problem was it took me about two, maybe three, probably more years that we didn't notice to get there. So typically like most high school students, um, you want to fit in, you want to be a part of the in crowd. You want to be the popular person. You want to be the pretty girl. You want to do all this and that. And at the time there had been I, I went through, I guess, puberty or whatever. Um, I feel like a lot earlier than anybody else I knew. And a lot of us have that issue, but like, it wasn't that I was like this weirdo wacko kid in the corner. I was a lot taller than most of my friends. Most of my friends were like five, two, five, three. I was five, six, five, seven by middle school and by high school on five, eight, five, nine. And I grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and typically a lot of people are just not that tall over there. They're usually about 5'5". Five, five. That's about as tall as most people get. So people were actually calling me fat and, you know, all these like weird mean names that high schoolers can come up with. And a lot of the guys would say the same thing. So, of course, I'm I'm here. I'm super athletic. I used to play basketball. I used to play softball thinking I'm fat. And I'm like, well, if I just keep working out. I'm going to be skinny. So I would look up all these skinny models, these skinny people. And I'm like, I want to be just like that. I used to run and watch the Victoria's Secret um, fashion show. But that's always in December. I don't think they have anymore. But I used to literally run to that and just watch them. Like, I'm going to keep running until I look like those girls. And, you know, these are just impossible standards that I set for myself. So on top of that, with lack of education and nutrition education that you get in high school, because we think, I think we have two lessons on the food pyramid that is kind of useless that I always throw out the window with a lot of my clients. We have like two episodes of that or two classes of that. And we just are sent off into this world, not knowing what to eat, how to eat, or how important it is for our, not only our body, but our, also our cognition. So of course, having no experience or understanding of nutrition, I take it into my own hands. Don't do a lot of research because I'm a high school kid and we're still not in that stage of research and looking things up for ourselves. We're just, oh, I'm right. I know everything. Let me stop eating carbs. Let me stop eating meat because meat bad. Don't eat meat. I, I hate that movement. And I also, and just restricting everything to lose weight because that's all we know how to do when we're in high school. And so on top of that, couple of years goes by and I start having all these crazy symptoms. Now, this freaks me out because I actually hear a lot of parents tell me when I work with their kids, oh, my daughter's um, on the anemic or has anemia. And I always ask, why does she have anemia? Oh, I, I don't know. The doctor just says her iron is low. When, you, when you're anemic, it's not anemia that's the eating disorder. It's what you're doing that causes the eating disorder. And anemia just kind of goes along with it. And so 
a lot of the times when you're anemic, it could be hereditary. There are some instances where people's bodies just can't hold iron and you just have to do some extra special things for that. And you can eat as well as you can. It just doesn't hold iron. In the eating disorder case, it's because you're not getting the nutrients. Now, kind of going back to when I was in high school, I was having trouble breathing. I used to be a runner. I couldn't run up and down the court anymore on basketball. So I kind of quit basketball. I couldn't really run between bases. I wasn't playing softball because I was tired. I was out of breath. I couldn't walk upstairs. And this was kind of, this was a slow decline that I started noticing, but I didn't understand why I thought it was stress because every time I'd go to the doctor, they're always like, oh, you're stressed out. And I'm like, well, I'm like 15, 16 years old. Can somebody like give me a different reason? Because if I can't handle stress now, I'm never going to be able to handle it. And it kind of was just a slow decline went from not being able to do any of that to being freezing cold all the time. My face started getting these weird rashes, which was insane. And I look back on it now, it's like almost like eczema kind of like rashes just across my face. My hands were so cold all of the time. And my memory was almost gone because my brain just, there was nothing, there was no oxygen flowing to my brain. Again, I was suffocating myself slowly in my own body. So what does the recovery road look like for you? When, when did you, when did you, I guess, quote unquote, like figure it out? When did you realize that the way you were eating wasn't working and, you know, you're, you've talked about some of the symptoms and some of the things that, that were going on, but, but what was that turning point for you? So, so the turning point was when I landed myself in a nice hospital bed over my mom's birthday weekend. <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. I was in the hospital for the entire week. I don't actually even remember how long I was in there because I was pretty out of it. I just remember what happened was I went in, they thought I had appendicitis. I had gone into a blood test the day before and went to urgent care. And then they're like, you have appendicitis, head to the emergency room. They're about to like pull me in for, to take out my appendix. And someone like runs in and like, absolutely not. You cannot touch her. Her iron levels are like extremely low. So I just remember sitting in the hospital bed and I was in Orlando. So I live in Florida now after I moved that year too. I moved in the middle of all this happening from New Mexico and I'm in Florida. And I remember thinking, what the heck just happened? Like, how did I end up here? And it was like one of those things where I thought I was this perfect human being. I could fit into like a size two. I wanted to get to a size zero. And all of a sudden, it's like my world came crashing down, straight A student. And now I'm missing school. I'm missing an entire week of school. I think I ended up missing two weeks of school, just trying to even stand up. And it was this turning point that I kept remember telling myself, I cannot let anybody else ever get to this spot. And I say that because everybody that came in, so that pretty much the recovery, they, I didn't have to have any surgeries. I honestly didn't have to do anything other than take an iron pill and eat hamburgers. The entire time I was in the hospital, I think they gave me four iron pills a day and I ate some hamburgers. It was a really expensive recovery. <laughs> I'm going to tell you it was real simple, but real expensive. And they had psychologists come talk to me. They had dietitians. They had a bunch of different professionals talk to me and pretty much say, you know, look, this is a very common, you know, an eating disorder is extremely common in high school girls. Actually, it's extremely common in all high schoolers. A lot of men struggle with it too. It looks different. It's not the stereotypical movie struggle 
look that, um, you know, like I even went through, it's more silent and it could also be just as detrimental. Um, but it happens too for men, but they would talk to me and tell me, you know, we, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. Now, this is really overwhelming to tell a 17 year old girl that almost just died because I had four doctors come in and say, you should be dead. These levels that you're at, people die from car accidents because their levels are a little bit higher, but just as low. And they die because of lack of oxygen, lack of blood flow to their brain. And you're still walking here. And I'm like, yeah, here I am. So it was the the road of recovery was, I think it's a never ending battle, to be honest with you. If you've ever been around somebody that struggles with an eating disorder, it's a very mentally exhausting thing. So when I left that hospital, not only was I saying, I can't let this happen to anybody else, but I knew I was on this like really long road to recovery. And to this day, I still struggle with aspects of it. And this was 2015. So this was about six years ago. And I heard somebody explain it the perfect way. So if you've ever struggled with an eating disorder or you know somebody or you're currently struggling with it, somebody says it sounds like you could be talking to me and I just ate a meal. But then it's like radio buzz in my head where I can't focus on anything else but thinking about this meal. And it's like this meal just like buzzing around in my head where I feel either guilty, I feel weird, I feel anxious, I all these emotions balled up and I can't focus on anything else. And it's actually a huge thing why people with eating disorders decide not to eat a lot of the times rather than to eat, because if they don't eat, they don't have this buzz so they can concentrate and stuff in front of us. Now it's not good for your body, but when you eat, it's almost more distracting. And now they have to figure out, you know, if you're a binger, you binge and then you eat, you feel guilty. You probably purge. Maybe you have to work it off. Maybe you just sit here and feel guilty. Maybe you don't eat at all. Like there's just so many different outlets on eating disorders and it's, it's a really bad experience. So I knew I was going to be struggling with this. I went home. They told me that I have to eat certain foods all the time. This is now posing a new problem. I didn't, I'm not really a huge cook. I really didn't know how to cook. I was also 17 and I just didn't like food. Like food makes me nervous. And I don't think people understand how nervous food makes me. So I knew the road to recovery meant I was going to have to eat around the clock. I was going to have to eat good quality food, not crap food. I had to eat good quality food. It's not going to go shove my face with a McDonald's hamburger. I don't think that even has iron in it or meat. I don't know what that is, to be honest with you. But like, it was like, it was a legit, just a world shattering you have to change so you don't ever end up in that hospital again. What does that look like for you? How did you educate yourself? Did you did you get a, a dietitian or did you get a, a coach or how did you how did you figure out what you needed to do and how did you begin that journey of of managing your diet and your exercise? Yeah, so I um, kind of took a different approach. So I did try the dietitian route. I no, I am not trying to cut down any dietitians. I actually thought that was one of the most useless things that I did, honestly. Um, all she did and what most dietitians, I've actually, I went to a couple, just gave, talked to me about it. Oh, said this behavior is not healthy or not even say behavior. They just said, this isn't healthy. And they gave me a meal plan. Hmm. This meal plan was like, have a handful of nuts at 10 o'clock 
you know, eat a salad at 12 and have fish tacos at six. And to be honest with you, okay, cool. This is all healthy food. That's awesome. Like that's wonderful, but I'm not going to follow this because I, I'm not a huge fan of fish. I don't like fish. Uh, they just took out meat out of my diet after I told them the doctor said I need meat. Like I, I don't care if the doctor did not care if I'm vegan. The doctor did not care if I'm vegetarian. I needed meat because there's a special kind of iron that my body needed to absorb from it. Cause it's so much different from plants and plant iron. And on top of it, I'm not going to meal prep this all day. Like I don't have time to sit here and cook meals throughout the day. Like I need something simple. I need something quick and I need something easy. So I kind of threw out everything that the dietitians did. The only thing that I love that they did was they actually walked me through the shopping aisles um, at the local grocery store and helped me understand how to read a label and understand how to pick food and like kind of just walk me through it, which was awesome. That sounds kind of stupid for some people, but when you're young and you're trying to learn things on your own, that was actually a really awesome service that they provided. That's the only thing that I think that was super helpful there. So on top of that, I knew I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be on this journey on my own. I didn't like to admit to people that I had, had an eating disorder because it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing at the same time when you think you're uh, you know, I was a straight A student. I was, I felt like I had a lot holding me up. I didn't really want to tell people, oh yeah, I struggle from an eating disorder. Because mm-hmm. people look at you like, oh, that like it was at the time mental health was not a topic and it was not something you wanted to open up to people. So I kind of took it into my own hands. I went and got certified um, to become a personal trainer at when, as soon as I turned 18 that year. And then I started working in a lot of fitness gyms to understand the correct way to work out, to understand the correct way to do a lot of things. And then that, it did help me understand the body more. And then after that, I, when I went to college, I went into psychology, but I wanted to be a psychologist, decided that this Freudian talk about your feelings all day thing was not going to be what I wanted to be. And I went into behavior analysis and the best way to explain behavior analysis uh, to a lot of people is if you've ever seen criminal minds, their behavior, there's a behavior analytical unit. That is pretty much what they, how they go through their people and their victims. That's actually pretty accurate. That's kind of the way I go through it with fitness. I like to step through step-by-step why somebody is doing what they're doing because it's not, you know, Jimmy had a bad childhood and these feelings really inflict with his internal systems and he does this and this and this, like our past experiences do make our future, um, decisions, but it's just something to me didn't sit right because you can't prove a lot of that. You can just assume it and it's based on whatever you want to want to say it's based on. So I really went the behavior analytical route with health and fitness because you can set up your environment to make yourself healthier without struggling in so many other ways. And that's kind of what I went into when I went into high school. And I started realizing, you know, between understanding health and fitness, between understanding why I do the things I do through behavior analysis, and to also have on the side, I've done a lot of work with um, nutrition, understanding, reading lots of books, getting different certifications. It really helped me kind of mold who I am now and how to cope with an eating disorder. And I say cope because again, I don't think it's something people 
recover from or not like it's a full road of recovery where, oh yeah, I'm never going to have this again. Because I can tell you right now in some of the times where it's like the past two years, actually, it kind of started creeping up where, you know, COVID happened. My anxiety was through the roof along with the rest of the world's anxiety. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. Nobody knew where to go, what to do, who to talk to. I mean, there was just, it was crazy. We all, we were all there. We don't have to relive it. That's when I start restricting my eating. That's actually when I start freaking out the most. I kind of like fall off my workout routine and I start only eating certain things and I get into this habit and it, you can tell that I'm starting to lose unhealthy weight and I can tell that I'm having an issue and it's hard because it's not what I'm doing. It's the mental state that I get into. And so right there. And then when I start freaking out that I'm getting fat because I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, like I usually do. And I'm doing like Z, Y, and B over here. That's what you have to start watching out for. And I think the biggest, biggest thing here is to just understand that you may always struggle with some of these ideas that you have, but they don't have to control you. You just have to make sure you're able to control your environment around you to really focus in and hone in on to making sure that it doesn't creep back up. That's awesome. And I'm so glad that you were able to find you kind of, it sounds like you kind of made your own path and kind of figured things out on your own. Yeah. We're kind of getting towards the end of the, of the episode, but I'd love to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners a little, a little bit more about your podcast and promote your social media or, or whatever it is that you'd like to promote. Yeah. So I also have a podcast and it's called run, thrive, survive. I am a runner and running actually helped me cope with a lot of this. It's helped me cope with a lot of life changes. And it's also helped me not fall off the path back onto the really bad eating disorder. And of course, surviving, thriving. We want to, sometimes we just survive, but most of the days we want to thrive together. So we talk a lot about, you know, behavior and fitness and just anything that's going to help you be a like a healthier human being, especially when you have a full-time job, because that can be the hardest part is just being healthy and balancing your life. So we really focus on that with the podcast. You can find me at, at the runpreneur on Instagram and at, at run, thrive, survive anywhere else and run, thrive, survive.com. You can see, you can head over there and see kind of like what I have to offer. I do a lot of like personal training, personal coaching, health coaching, and just like revamping to really make you feel yourself right now. We have a membership going on. You can, we, I call myself like the personal trainer head uh, or the personal trainer. That's like a hairdresser. You know how you only see your hairdresser like once every like five to six weeks. Well, you see me once a month, but we give you a plan to kind of like we, we make you a game plan. I don't hand you a plan, but we make you a game plan. And you text me every night that you're really staying on top of it. You get in this habit and then we clean it up once a month. So it's like one of those deals. It's a nice membership, um, $30 a month, and you can get all of that. And that's all over at my website, runthrivesurvive.com. Awesome. And I love that you brought that up about the busy schedules and stuff. We were talking about our schedules before we started recording. And, and I was kind of thinking in the back of my head, I was like, man, I should probably be doing something fitness related and like trying to stay healthy, but I don't know when I would do it. So I love that you brought that up. Cause it's like, 
Right. I, I feel like that's one of the things just in our ingrained in our culture nowadays is like everybody is so busy. And then when somebody presents something, I'm like, oh, that's great. Like I should do that. That would probably help in my life. And I, I'm like, well, when, when would I do that? How would I do that? And that's like that instant excuse. And I love that you're bringing up like it, that you're geared towards this, this busy lifestyle. So I think that's absolutely awesome. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, no. And I mean, just like you said, I have so many tips on just one thing you can implement throughout your day. That's going to make you feel better when you, when you withstand it for the long run, right? Not when you do it once on one day and you kind of go off with it. Um, but no, if you can just implement one thing in your work day and it could change a lot of other things that you do. And that's what we focus on. Kind of in closing, there's a there's a new question that I've started to ask at the end of the episode. Uh, what's the one quote or the one thing that someone told you that really changed your life? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, see, okay, so I have a few. I think one quote that I've always loved and it rings in the back of my mind is underestimate me. That'll be fun. And I think that's one of the most powerful things if you think about it. So there's that quote and one more, it says, work hard enough that you can walk into a room that you no longer have to introduce yourself in. And that one was also very, very powerful because I'm a huge person in on hard work. I'm not, I don't really care about fame or all that, but to just work so hard that people recognize how hard you work and you inspire people, that can be a motivation factor all on its own. Wow. Those are both fantastic. Thank you for sharing those. I'm going to have to jot those down. That's great stuff. Well, Sierra, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing part of your journey and struggles with your eating disorder and and telling the listeners how you overcame that and the different plans that you've implemented and and also sharing with us about your podcast and and the services that you offer. I, I really do appreciate it. So thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate you having me on the show. I love, I love this. I love talking to people. <laughs> Sierra, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being so honest and open about your struggles with your eating disorder. I know a lot of people are going to hear this and they're going to take something from that. And I would really encourage them to also go to your website where they can find some tools to help them overcome their own struggles. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.